You're listening to Midi Storytime, part of the Spare Change Library. This week we're reading the latest chapter of The Bride of the Tomb by Mrs. Alex McVeigh Miller. Tune in each week for the next chapter. Chapter 5 You say I have been very ill, said Lily, looking up into the dark face bending over her. Yes, you have been near to death's door, but indeed you must not talk. You will exhaust yourself. But I must talk, said the patient willfully. Why am I here? This is not my home, glancing round the poor, ill-furnished room. Where are my father, my sister, my maid? Oh, God! And a piercing shriek burst from her lips. I remember everything. The murderous dagger thrust, the horrid spell that bound me hand and foot and tongue. I could not speak, I could not move, but I heard them weeping round me. I heard... For heaven's sake, cease! You will kill yourself indeed, Miss Lawrence, cried the physician in alarm. But she waved him off, and sitting upright in bed, continued wildly. I heard your voice telling them that I was dead. I heard the horrid inquest held over me. I heard the funeral service while I lay in the open coffin, unable to stir, unable to comfort my weeping loved ones. They bore me away. They locked me, me, a living, agonized human creature, into the dreadful vault with the horrible dead for companions. Ah, then indeed I became unconscious. I knew no more. Oh, oh, what torture, what agonies I have endured, cried the girl waving her white hands over her head and screaming aloud in her terrified recollection of the dreadful agonies she had borne while in her cataleptic state. "'She will kill herself indeed,' muttered Pratt, hastily forcing a composing draught between her writhing lips. She continued to rave wildly until the potent drug took effect on her overwrought system and produced a deep, unnatural slumber. He went away and left her to the care of the witch-like old woman." She awoke toward evening and found the old woman knitting away by her bedside. The beautiful girl looked at her in wonder and fright. "'Are you a vision from another world, or only a fevered phantom of my brain?' she inquired in a weak voice. The creature only scowled at her in reply, but she rose and brought a bowl of fresh arrowroot and fed the patient, who found it very refreshing after her protracted fasting." Old Haiti, as she was called, left the room with the empty bowl, and Lily lay still, looking about her with a vague dread creeping into her heart. Had she indeed died in that horrible vault, and was she now in another world inhabited by such hideous beings as the one who had just left her? She shuddered and closed her eyes. The sound of a footstep aroused her. A man was entering the room. It was Harold Colville. He came and stood by the bedside, looking down at her pale face with passionate tenderness shining in his eyes. Her white cheeks turned crimson. "'Mr. Colville!' she cried angrily. "'What means this unwarrantable intrusion?' "'Oh, Lily, this from you!' he cried in sorrowful reproach. "'Lily, I have saved your life, my darling, and this is my reward. When all others deserted you and left you in your coffin, my love could not rest without one more look at your dear face.' Yes, the love you spurned in happier days clung to you then and sought you amid the horrors of the dreadful charnel house. I entered the vault, I opened the coffin, I kissed the lips that were dearer to me dead than those of any living woman, and then I discovered faint signs of life. In my rapture at the discovery, I bore you away in my carriage and placed you under the care of a splendid physician. You revived, you lived, yes, dead to all the world beside, you live alone for me, my fair, my peerless lily." He smiled triumphantly while a look of horror dawned in her eyes. "'You... you will restore me to my friends,' she gasped in breathless agitation. "'Lily, can you ask it? Can I bear to give you up, long and truly as I have loved you? 
when death in compassion for my sorrow has given you up from the very tomb itself to my loving arms, could I give you back to your less devoted lover and live my life without you, my peerless darling? Lily, do not ask me for such a sacrifice. I am never to see my father, sister, friends again, asked she with whitening lips. Yes, yes, Lily, only consent to reward my fidelity with your dear hand and you shall see them all again. I cannot, she moaned faintly. I am betrothed to another. Death has broken the bond, said he. Your lover has torn you from his heart ere this in angry resentment at your supposed suicide. He believes that you loved another and chose death in preference to a loveless marriage with him. Give yourself to me, Lily, and that will confirm his belief. Oh, never, never! I do not love you, she cried vehemently. Love would come in time, darling. Gratitude to the savior of your life would create love. I could make you happy, Lily. I have wealth, position, influence, all the things that woman values most. I can never love anyone but Lancelot, darling, she said, while a blush tinged her cheek at the sweet confession. His brow grew dark as night. Speak not the name of my hated rival, he cried angrily. I saved your life, not he, yet this is your gratitude. Oh, indeed, I am grateful, if indeed you saved my life, she cried. But ask me for some other reward. Take my eternal gratitude, my undying friendship. Take the last penny of my fortune, but spare me my happiness. You rave, Lily, he answered coldly. Nothing you have offered me has any value in my eyes except yourself. I will never, never resign you. You are in my power here. To all the world you are dead. You shall remain so until you marry me. I will never, never marry you, she cried with passionate defiance. We shall see, he answered angrily, but his words fell on deaf ears. She had fallen back in a deep swoon. He went out and sent Haiti to assist her while he hurriedly left the house. The swoon was a deep one. Lily lay quite exhausted after she revived and was still and speechless for some hours. Dr. Pratt came that night and gave her another sleeping potion. She took it quietly without remark and slept heavily all night. The sun was high in the heavens next day when old Haiti, sitting by her pillow, started to find those large blue eyes fixed thoughtfully upon her. She ran and brought a nourishing breakfast upstairs to her patient. "'You are better,' said she in her cracked voice, seeing that Lily ate with an appetite." I am stronger, said she, as Haiti removed the tray. She was quiet a while after the old crone had taken her seat and resumed her knitting. Presently, she asked abruptly, What is your name? They call me Haiti, said the old woman shortly. Do you live here alone, Haiti? My old man lives with me, said she. You are very poor, I suppose, said Lily, letting her eyes rove over the poorly furnished room. "'Miserably poor, honey,' said old Haiti, while an avaricious light gleamed in her small black eyes. "'Is this place in New York?' asked the patient. "'Thereabouts,' answered old Haiti. "'Would you like to earn some money, heaps of shining gold?' asked the girl timidly. The old woman's beady eyes sparkled. "'Aye, that I would,' said she. "'If you will carry a little note to my father for me, I'll give you plenty of money,' said Lily, tremblingly. "'Where is your money?' asked Haiti cautiously. "'I have no money with me,' said Lily, "'but my father will give you some when you take him this note.' "'The pay must be in advance,' said Haiti provokingly. "'I can't trust your promise.' Lily looked about her despairingly. There was nothing valuable about her except a diamond ring on her finger. Her eyes fell upon that. 
I will give you my diamond ring if you will carry the note to my father. Aye, aye, but your captors would miss it from your finger, said Haiti, watching the sparkling jewel with greedy eyes. They would suspect you had bribed me, and they would kill old Haiti. That is true, murmured the patient sadly. She lay a little while lost in thought, then her face grew bright. I will tell you what I will do, said she. See, there are five diamonds in my ring. Each one is worth a hundred dollars. I will loosen one of the stones and give it to you if you will help me to escape from here. They will not miss one single stone from the ring, or if they do, they will think it had become loosened from the setting and lost. Come, what do you say? It is a risky undertaking, and the reward is small, muttered the old creature. My father shall give much more if you help me, Haiti. Will you do it? asked Lily imploringly. Yes, I will, said the old woman greedily. Now? asked Lily. Yes, now, before the doctor or Mr. Colville comes back. My old man can take care of you until I return. Lily shuddered at the mention of the old man, but hastily begged for writing materials. There were none to be had except the stub of an old pencil and some light brown wrapping paper. The old crone brought her these with a muttered apology for her poverty, and sitting up in bed, Lily wrote a few feeble, incoherent lines to her father. Dear Papa, she wrote, I am not dead, though you put me in a coffin and locked me in the vault with all the dead and gone Lawrences. I was stolen from the vault, and a doctor brought me to life again. I am kept a prisoner here by Harold Colville, who swears he will not release me until I marry him. I have hired the old woman who takes care of me to take you this letter. You must give her money, Papa, dear, for her kindness. She will conduct you here where I am. Oh, hasten, Papa, and release me from this horrible prison. Your loving daughter, Lily. Taking the old woman's knitting needle, she carefully pried out one of the diamonds from her ring, and putting it with the note into Hades' hand, bade her hasten. It is a long way from here. It will take me several hours to go, was the answer. I shall count the minutes till you return, said Lily. God bless you, Haiti, for your goodness to me at this trying time. The old woman chuckled as she went out and locked the door after her. At the foot of the stairs, she paused and carefully reread the superscription of the letter. Number 1800 Fifth Avenue, said she gloatingly. Ah, the outside of this letter is all I want to see. She hobbled into her room, set her old man on guard to watch her prisoner, and blithely wended her way cityward. That concludes this week's installment of The Bride of the Tomb. Tune in each week for the latest chapters released on Thursdays. This production of The Bride of the Tomb features the voice talents of Laura Bang and Damien Katz. Chris Hallberg voices the intro and outro narratives. The theme music is The Guava Rag by Brett Donnelly. Midi Storytime in the Spare Chains Library produced by Lancelot Darling and Friends. This podcast is brought to you by DimeNovels.org, the Edward T. LeBlanc Memorial Dime Novel Bibliography.